0: Every year, we dedicate one month to highlight the ways God has used the generosity of our faith family to demonstrate His love to people in our community and around the world.
1: So Colin, you went to Ecuador last year. What I want to ask you is, um, what did God do in your heart? How did God change you? What did God teach you from this trip?
0: One of the biggest things I definitely walked away with from the Ecuador trip was uh, just the experience of them ministering to us, really. Uh, They're very hospitable. And loving people and just the love of Jesus definitely came through in their actions and it was just a wonderful experience meeting people and so I think the biggest thing taking away was the people and just contentment in Christ and the love that they had that I just didn't see as much over here even though we had so much more so just seeing that it's not really about uh, material stuff and it's more about the love of Christ and being content in what God has given and so that was really a life-changing experience on the ship. It's less about what you have and more about what you have in the heart and your love and faith. So that was the biggest thing. Participate in practical love by giving of your time and resources. Our goal is to raise over $100,000 and to pack 100,000 meals. To learn more about the projects, how to give and how to sign up for the meal packing event, go to rollinghills.org love. What does God have in store for you through practical love?
1: morning. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm basically like the missions pastor. And uh, we're here, or I'm up front, because it's Practical Love Month, with it, which is basically a, a time that we focus on the ways that God has used our faith family's generosity to have an impact, whether it's locally or around the world. And as you've got to hear a little bit of the story, uh, we went to Ecuador. Last summer, And so Colin was sharing a little ways that God impacted him, but we got to do some really neat things there. We got to build a playground, which I, I like, you know, as a parent, um, well, actually we were building a playground and we were helping with the food programs, the meals that we packed. Um, and as a parent, if you want to really convince me that you love me and you love, you know, you show the way you show me is you love my kids well. And so, you know, these churches, you know, they're doing all these things. They're feeding kids. They're providing um, playgrounds for the children in their communities. So now all these parents that are in the community are like, oh, well, this church people, they really, they must, this love thing is real. I want to know more about it. So we love being able to partner with them with that. Um, and through our relationship with kids around the world, we've gotten to connect even further uh, we basically got to participate in their version of Christmas blessing last year, and so we got to help. I think it was like 150 children in the community, something like that. And that's because of your guys' generosity. And we're looking forward to going back again this summer. And so your guys' generosity in the past has helped us go, and our goal is to go again. And like part of Practical Love, it helps with some of these special projects and some of these uh, connections that we get to continue with in, or relationships, really, that we get to continue with in Ecuador. And I just want to kind of make you guys aware of some of those things with some of the time up here. So in a few weeks, we have the meal packing event. If you've never done it, it's awesome, it's crazy, it's hectic, but it ends up being a lot of fun. Um, we'll be downstairs this year, so we're back to doing it in person. So if you go online, you can go to rollinghills.org slash love, and you scroll down and you'll see there's like, you know, different options for signing up to serve for that. And then... Uh, I also got to make a little bit of a confession. Uh, I I made a mistake, I don't know, five months ago or four months ago when I was planning this. Uh, So for all the guys in here, you're probably realizing that's the same weekend as men's retreat. Go to men's retreat. Um, But let me know if you're interested. We could do something before men's retreat, try to set something up. Um, If there's not interest, no big deal. But if there's people that are um, going to men's retreat and you still want to do it? Let me know so I can figure out if we can set something up for all you guys. That said, I just want to also bring attention to the fact that we are going to Ecuador this summer. If you have not heard about it yet, um, this is another little uh, announcement for you. Um, we're going to Ecuador. If you're interested in going, you can come with. Um, you can find me out there, ask me for information. Stephanie's out there, you can ask her for information. And if you're, I mean, really, if there's anything you wanna ask about, like practical love, uh, meal packing, going to Ecuador, you can come out there and ask either of us at that table. And if you're looking for help to sign up for the meal packing thing, like, it, you can do it online, but if you're just not super confident with your tech savviness, one of us can be out, be out there and help you guys, so. Thank you guys so much for your generosity. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah. That is very true. And I uh, invite you to be praying about how you can be a part of it this year. And, um, you know, we, we do these, we step into needs all over the world, but we do it um, primarily with our ministry partners that we've built relationships with for a long period of time. And so as we do it, we, we know them, we know their heart, we know their ministry, and we know how they will leverage the resources we're able to um, to give their way. And so um, is, your generosity will be used well. And it has been. And um, out where Zach will be after the gathering, um, he has a, has a sheet of information that just tells you the things that we were able to do last year as a result of Practical Love and the things we're hoping to do um, this year. So I uh, encourage you to be a part of it. Now, Practical Love, we're uh, it's just during the month of February, we're doing, yeah, so after February, you don't have to be loving anymore. Um, no. But um, we just do wanna highlight opportunities that we have. And, um, and really, it's, it's where we raise uh, money to step into these things throughout the year. But the series that we've been doing is we start off with just saying, okay, when it comes right down to, why are we stepping into needs? It's because the love God has for us and um, you cannot know God and understand him and his heart and not have that impact your heart for other people. And so we, um, we looked at his passion for us, the value that he places on every life and how he pursues us. Um, to turn to him and to know him and to seek his forgiveness so we can be reunited with him. And then last week we looked at as we grow in this relationship with God and we know him more, he continues to do a a transforming work in our lives. And he says, you know, that's just not for you, but it's as I'm doing a work in your life, share that with people around you. Um, Help them know me like you're knowing me. And um, you do that in relationship, and you do that intentionally. And then today, um, one of the things that that we do with Practical Love is step into need, step into crisis. Um, We have uh, ministry partners who are members of Rolling Hills before they went on on their mission, and uh, they are in Turkey. And um, so they were not directly impacted where they live, but they... um, they took off to go and help. And um, we're looking at how we can partner with them in this crisis. And so um, crisis is one of those things, I mean, in my life, I would rather avoid crisis. I mean, you know, the unexpected bad news stuff of life is um, we can live in fear of that and then when it comes, you know, most of our prayer goes to God Take it away. You know, we we don't wanna stay in this crisis. We wanna, if we experience just a little bit of it, okay, but take it away, and we wanna get out of it as soon as possible. Um, But we all know that in life, uh, you, you can't avoid crisis, even when you're trying to. There are things that come in life that place you in a position of crisis, and if not you, people that you love. And then sometimes that's more difficult because you want to help, you wanna remove it, you wanna say something that's gonna make everything better and you can't, and so then you don't know what to do. And so we're gonna talk about that more this morning. We're gonna talk about, um, we're gonna look at the book of James and he's gonna give us one little thought that's actually a big thought that can help us when we're in crisis. And then we're gonna look at the book of 2 Corinthians And say, how do we help others when people we love are in crisis? So, we're gonna look at that um, this morning. Now, James, the author of James, the book James, is the half brother of Jesus. Now, that's, um, you know, sibling rivalry, what a bummer for James, you know? Um, But James did not grow up when Jesus was doing his ministry did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was not a follower of his half-brother until he saw him die and then spent time with him after he rose from the dead. Now that was pretty convincing proof. Changed James' life. James became a follower of Jesus and then when Jesus ascended to heaven and he said, um, "You know," last week we talked about the Great Commission, you know, going to all the world and preach the gospel. Um, James said, I'm in. And he became a leader actually in the church in Jerusalem. He led that church for 30 years. All right? So that's James. He ended up um, dying in Jerusalem. And there's a couple different stories. Um, but uh, it's basically the Pharisees killed him um, because of his faith in Jesus. And uh, he either that they threw him off the walls of Jerusalem, and he survived enough to where they had to go down then and kill him with rocks. And that was James, the half-brother of Jesus, who said, I'm giving my life because I believe Jesus, my half-brother, is the Messiah. So, um, the, the church in Jerusalem that James led was in crisis from the very beginning. Because when you declared that you were a follower of Jesus, you therefore separated yourself from um, the Jewish faith. Even though that wasn't something you did, because if you're a good Hebrew scholar, you would know that Jesus is a fulfillment of the Hebrew Bible. But um, Jews who did not accept Jesus, who rejected Jesus, um, and actually put him on the cross, they also rejected his followers. And so James the father, or the, the leader of the Jewish church, um, led a church that was constantly in crisis. They were losing their jobs, they were being harassed, they were being beaten. Um, families uh, were, were divided because of this. And in fact, Paul, when he goes on his missionary journeys, he goes to Asia and he, he starts churches. He eventually gets around to Rome and starts churches in Europe. Um, He's raising money while he's going. You know who he's raising money for? The church in Jerusalem. Um, they're just suffering. So it's with that in mind that James write these words. James 1, one. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, weird, half-brother. I grew up with this guy, and yet I believe he's the Messiah, the Son of God. To the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And that's just like everybody's response to trials, right? Oh, good. You know, when I read this and he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Meet trials of various kinds, that means unexpected bad things. You weren't expecting them to happen, but they've happened. You got... um, the call from the doctor and you have cancer. You got a call that uh, a loved one tragically passed away. Um, you get called in the office and, and you're let go. You're, you're all of a sudden face to face with crisis. And lots of things happen in us when that happens. But um, when I read what James is saying, I'm thinking, you insensitive jerk. Count it all joy, my brother, when you enter into trials. Are you just that naive, that insensitive? And yet, when you know James' life and his background and what he's writing from, is he knows what living in trial looks like. He knows what it it looks like to be a pastor of a church that is in crisis. And so what he's doing is he's trying to open our mind and our perspective to see something that we want to avoid and to see it differently. Because there's an opportunity there. So here's the opportunity. In crisis, you have the opportunity to discover some real things about your faith and your faith in God. Um, It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith. That is, when you are um, in crisis, there is a process that is happening in you, that is testing the, authentic, the authenticity of your faith. And if, if you've gone through life crisis, you know this. For myself, when I've been in different seasons of crisis and pain, that I'm praying, God, take this away. Um, it is times when I'm asking God questions that I don't normally ask. It's, it's time when I'm talking to God through tears and saying, this does not make sense. Why is something like this happening? And why is the question that never fully gets answered for me? But then it's, okay, do I believe you? You know, going through crisis is um, kind of the death of the faith that says, um, God, I believe you because you'll, um, you'll do just good things for me and you'll bring me prosperity. God says, no, but I will do good things, but it's not like you're thinking. And so the testing of our faith, um, it, it, we start thinking, okay, what is my faith? Do I have real faith or am I, um, have I been pretending? And in crisis, you start seeing what's real. In crisis, all of a sudden, um, if you're talking with God and going deeper with Him, you actually are going deeper. And something's happening in you that probably wouldn't have happened if all things were wonderful. And so James is telling us hey, there is joy in discovering the depth of being with God in the midst of crisis. And so, count that a joy. And it, per, it, it produces perseverance, it says. Um, if you stay under pressure, if you don't run, if, if you're just saying, okay, I'm gonna avoid it at all costs, I'm just not gonna face it, um, you're gonna lose an opportunity to have God develop, develop your character, develop your soul, and develop your faith in him deeper. And so hold up under pressure. And when you do, your faith gets stronger. Verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, verse four will not happen if God always answers my prayer the way I want. Because I'm praying for uncomfortable situations and crisis in life to be removed from my life. And uh, I'm trying to pray them away. And God's saying, you know what, sometimes I will. I will take them away. I I will do something miraculous. But there's other times where my prayer for removal from a crisis um, does not overcome this world, this broken world that I'm in. And God says, uh, I'm going to walk with you in it. I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to walk with you in it, and I'm going to do something special in you. And so that's where James is connecting, and that's where he's saying, okay, for us, we don't go there. We think if God's good, then he removes us from problems. We live in a broken world. God says, sometimes I will do, I will remove you uniquely from a situation and other times I'm gonna walk with you in that situation and do something in you and through you that um, you wouldn't have had happen outside of that relationship, outside of that situation. So walk through difficulty with God and uh, and he does stuff that you don't get when you just walk through happiness. Um, Have you ever met someone who is going through something in their life and you're thinking, man, I am so glad that that's not happening to me. And yet in the midst of it, you see their faith is just unshakable and you're going, "How? Oh, wow, I don't know if, if my faith would be that unshakable. And you see them walking through it and, and to me, I can tell you the truth, that they're some of the most inspiring people I know and I know a bunch of them. Some of the most inspiring people I know are people who are going through hell and trusting God. And I I just thank God for them because God's doing something in them as they walk through something they never wanted from. They, they, they They are getting a no from God in their prayers and staying faithful. And that's when we receive the steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's a prayer for you. If you're in the midst of crisis, um, pray this. Heavenly Father, use this until you choose to remove this. Use this until you choose to remove this. Um, Some of the deepest, Growth times of my life were during some of the most painful seasons of my life, where uh, I'm thinking everything of value to me, it feels like at that moment is being is threatened. And then I ask myself questions like, "If this goes totally bad, is being with you God enough?" If I lose this or that, but I still have you, is that enough? I've had those seasons, I've had those conversations with God, and I'm grateful because he took me deeper in my relationship with him. All right, now how about walking alongside someone else? That can be a very uncomfortable thing to do. Um, somebody loses a spouse, a parent, and, um, and you know you're gonna spend time with them, and typically there's just like a panic that goes through us. How can I make them feel better? Do I talk about their spouse? Is that gonna bring up more pain? I don't wanna bring up pain. I don't wanna be a cause of pain. Maybe I'll just ignore that subject, but how can I? You know, so how, what, what, do you, what do you do in the midst of this? Verse four, um, or three and four, of Second Corinthians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So comfort ultimately comes from God, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who, may, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a lot of comforts in there. Um, the New Testament has the, the Greek word for comfort 60 times. 30 of those times is in 2 Corinthians. Um, the, the church at Corinth was going through some tough times. They had been doing some stupid things. They had, had, had discord. Um, and so they have, they have had suffering as a result of being dumb. And they've had suffering as a result of doing the right thing that they've been suffering. What I love about the Bible is it doesn't avoid suffering. I mean, there's not you read through and you're looking at this and followers of Jesus went through a lot of crisis. Where people get the idea of prosperity gospel that hey, follow Jesus and all the circumstances of life are gonna be just phenomenal. I mean, that's a total lie, total lie. But you get to walk through them with Jesus. You get, you get to grow in depth in things to where circumstances don't actually toss you to and fro because you have a depth of knowing that you are loved by God and he's with you and you're never alone. And that's what Paul is writing to those in Corinth, saying, hey, um, you've gone through some difficult times, but one of the reasons you've gone through those difficult times is so that you can help other people go through difficult times. And so if, you, if you've experienced going through tough times and you've been at the bottom and, you, and you've talked with God and, and you've cried out to him and you've grown in the depth of your of relationship with God as a result, um, you will have some experiences in life that will help you share that process with other people as they go through crisis. I mean, God says, I don't waste a hurt. He, he, do, he doesn't allow you to go through a crisis where that is not going to benefit somebody else because of what you've learned about God through the midst of it. So um, here's the second thing. In crisis, God comforts you for the sake of others. God comforts you for the sake of others. So what if God's comfort to us in the midst of crisis isn't just to make us comfortable? That's what he's saying. He's saying, yeah, I, I will be your comfort in the midst of crisis, but that's not all. That's not the whole story. That's not the whole purpose. It's because I have other people that I love who are in your life who are gonna go through crisis. And so the comfort you receive from me, extend that to others. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ see we are not meant to go through struggles and burdens and crisis alone nor are we meant to let other people go through it alone we are to walk together um, through this life and christianity is not um, a personal relationship with god where i am alone communing with god um, no it is it is a relationship with god where he places us in community and gives us opportunity to be him to others. And so um, how do we do that? And I'm gonna give you, um, our pastoral team about three, four months ago received a training on some, how do you walk with people through crisis? And uh, so I just wanna give you a little, a few just practical ideas um, that may help when uh, a friend, a loved one, gets unexpected news. um, They lose a spouse, they lose a child. What do you do? Um, I think right out of the gate, you need to know that their brain is being flooded with chemicals. And, um, however they respond to the crisis and the stress, Um, let them. A lot of times we think, well, this is how it should look, if they're really dealing with it well. And there's several different ways you can deal with it well, depending upon what part of their brain you're in and how you function. You're not operating out your normal part of your brain. And so um, maybe a real chatty person becomes real silent and just wants to go, Start doing things. And before you know it, it's like, hey, where, where did that person go? Well, they're painting the house. What are they doing this? Are they trying to escape? No, they're trying to, to just survive and deal with this news. And so um, extend grace and don't have an expectation about how people are gonna respond to um, just brutal news. Ministry of presence. One of the best things you can do is just offer to be there and don't talk. Just be there. Ministry of presence. If you're just trying to make it better and you feel the pressure to try to say something and makes it better, it probably is not. There's not anything you can say to make it better. But being with them, they know you love them and you care. If they have family and family's coming in, then you back off. You give them space to be with their family. And there's going to be a time where their family leaves and that's when their brothers and sisters in Christ are, need to step in when the family goes. But make yourself available. Hey, if there's anything you need, I'll do it. Be ready to be inconvenienced if they need something. But um, when their family's around, give them space and let them um, be with their family. Um, You know, after, and typically it kind of goes to where there's the shock and it's a a death, there's family around until the memorial service and then they all go away. And that's a real time to step in and just say, hey, um, I want to be here for you. Do you want to hang out? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, And just be available to them because that can be some of the most difficult times. They're in shock, they're stunned, um, they don't know how to handle it, and yet they're all together, and maybe as a family, and they're grieving together, and, uh, and that is one of the, the most difficult and the most wonderful times if you have a close family. It is one of the richest times and one of the saddest times all at the same time. It, it's, a, it's a weird reality. But then um, when they step away, then step into your friend's life. Um, like I said, a lot of times we think, okay, if they're, if they're really grieving, then they're talking, they're crying, they're laughing, and they're talking. And, we, and that's what we are kind of comfortable with. But um, sometimes they don't do that. Sometimes they don't talk. They just need to go do. And that's also a healthy way. And so um, extend, extend grace. Both are, are legitimate. Okay. Here's a couple of, here's a question to ask. That, that's a good question because it's just, it's just normalizing the trauma and the grief they're in. And it's, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? And then just let them talk. Don't correct them. Oh, you should be feeling this, no, don't do that. You know, it's kind of like an onion, peeling the layers off of an onion. I mean, there could be a new emotion every day that they're really connecting to. And that's, that's okay. But a good question is, how are you doing today? <clears throat> and then over time, um, they're gonna have to reinvent life. Um, so help them with that. Talk about that. How are you gonna handle holidays? How are you gonna handle anniversaries, birthdays? And a lot of times you do those by remembering, by, um, you know, just reflecting on the past. But in the process, you're creating new memories. You're starting to do things new. You're beginning to create a new life without that dear person with you. And, And that is good. And that could change relationships. You know, um, this person as as they begin embracing their new life, not rejecting their old life, but remembering it for what it is, but embracing a new life. Um, they may have new friends. They may have new hobbies. And uh, those are all good, healthy things. Um, and a lot of times we just get a picture in our mind about how it should look, and uh, just be careful with that. Practical love reminds us that um, one of the things that God does in our lives is allow us to go through difficult times so we can grow closer to him, know him more, and then step into people's lives when they're going through crisis as well. And... Uh, You can't be a follower of Jesus and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, why? Because I go and I sit in this room with a bunch of other people once a week. And um, so that makes me you know, good with God. It's like a follower of Jesus is somebody who's receiving from God and then giving it to others. And uh, as we go through pain and suffering in life, which is inevitable, um, God says, man, don't waste. Those hurts. But uh, love others the way I've loved you. Jesus was the one who didn't ever sin. There's nothing in his life that was a pain as a result of him doing something wrong. And yet he received pain so that we could experience the eternal comfort of God the Father. So we want to think like We wanna think, love, and live like Jesus and then reproduce that in the lives of others. And we're gonna pray together um, and then we'll continue to worship. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that there's never a time that we are alone, that when bad things happen, it shouldn't shock us because we just live in this, this broken world. And yet in the midst of this broken world, you say you will walk with us. We will not walk alone you will comfort us says you'll even give us wisdom when we are just lost But why is all these things happening I don't see how anything good can happen you say pray for wisdom and God may give us a glimpse of his perspective Father I pray that um, you know as people are in the midst of suffering in here today that they may seek you for God What am I learning about my relationship with you? Do I trust you? Are you good, even in the midst of this? And God, if you you choose not to take it away, continue to do your work that you wanna do in me. And then make me sensitive and more loving and caring to people around me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.